Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Providence North. If you're new with us, our lead pastor, Sean Eppers, for the last few weeks has been discussing what it looks like for Jesus to take this unwavering mission towards the cross. And it all culminated last week as we celebrated Easter and we get to celebrate uh, eternal life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter is such a special day of remembrance and celebration. But one thing I especially love about Easter is that as a follower of Jesus, I can celebrate his resurrection and that gift of eternal life every day. So that's what we're gonna be doing today. We're gonna to continue in the timeline of Jesus's ministry and mission on this earth. And the text that we'll be in today is actually telling the story of what took place during the rest of the resurrection and for us, the rest of Easter Sunday. And I'm praying that each of us, wherever we are, whenever we're watching this video, would find encouragement in the text at the end of, book, of the book of John. With some of the first words Jesus spoke after the resurrection, and the final words he had for his disciples before he ascended into heaven, Jesus took the time to speak into the trajectory of the lives of his followers. And I believe his words will help us move forward no matter where we find ourselves today. But before we get started, I wanna ask you a question. If you think about your life, and specifically the things you desire to accomplish or the things you feel like God has called you to accomplish, is there anything holding you back? What is it that keeps you from moving forward? If you're anything like me, it's fear. Fear can be one of the most debilitating factors in my life. When it comes to me giving my all to what God has called me to, fear is most often the thing that shuts me down. And perhaps it's the same for you. Perhaps you are fearful of not having the approval of others like friends or family. Or maybe you have fear that you're not powerful enough to do the job that you've been given whether it's a big project at work or even taking care of the kids at home, whatever it may be that God's given to you in this season of your life and you feel like you're falling short, is it fear that is stopping you from moving forward in faith and peace and joy? Well, I just wanna share a few things with you that run through my mind and that grip me with fear quite often. I fear that the church won't prosper I fear that what I teach won't be helpful or understood. I fear that people in our church won't feel cared for or loved or welcomed. I fear for my family. I fear that I won't be the godly husband or father that they need me to be. I fear for my children and that they might shipwreck their lives. I fear that I won't have faith to die well. I fear that I would fall into worldliness or uselessness as a pastor. Honestly, it's safe to say that I have a few fears. And if I'm being totally honest, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But as I was studying this week, God comforted me with this text and I wanna share it with you. So let's jump in. This morning, we're gonna be in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. And it says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said this to them. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And this is God's word. 
So the first thing that we're going to see in this text is fear in the disciples, right? I mean, how could they not be? John makes this point very clear. He even states that the door was locked. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that I'm, when I know that I'm not the only one gripped by fear in this world, it's slightly comforting. But also, I, what I find most comforting in this text is that we see Jesus respond to the fear of the disciples here in the same way that he responds to us. Look at verse 19 again. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. He stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. So again, it's quite evident that the disciples were afraid, but let's be honest, we would be too, right? Let's think about it from their point of view. Their leader, the one that they had been following for the last three years, had been arrested illegally. He was beaten up, tortured. He was made to carry his own cross. He was then crucified as a threat to Caesar. My guess is that they're sitting there in this room, locked behind closed doors, planning their escape, wondering how were they going to get out of town, all of which is totally understandable. But then in the middle of that fear, in the middle of that confusion, in the middle of that insecurity, God moves. Suddenly, in the middle of all this fear that is shared among the disciples, Jesus appears. Think about this. I'm sure not only were they afraid of what the Jewish elite might do to them if they were caught, but to make matters more concerning or even more confusing, Jesus, who had just been betrayed, mocked, beaten, tortured, crucified on the cross, and buried in a tomb, is now standing in their midst. And then on top of it all, Jesus is showing them his hands and his sides where the spears had pierced his body. Now I'm sure there's a whole different kind of fear. I'm sure for some of them, if not all of them, were wondering, oh man, what's Jesus going to say to us? We let him down so badly when our leader needed him the most. How is he going to respond to us? I mean, especially Peter in this moment. He had to be so fearful. But what does Jesus do? Jesus appears in their midst and he says this, peace be with you. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, the ones that had let him down in the moment, he needed them the most. Jesus says, look guys, I'm coming to you. I'm with you when you're afraid. I'm not gonna wait for you to get your act together. I'm not gonna wait for you to have enough faith to overcome this fear. Guys, that's not me. I don't wait. In fact, I've come to you to give you the very faith that you need to overcome that fear. I've come to give you peace. And right now, I can tell you that throughout my years as a Christian, this has always been true. It's still true for me today. The risen and living Jesus still is doing this for me today. Jesus comes when I cry out to him in fear. I've called out to him countless times, Jesus, please help me. And his ever-present and faithful response is this. Jesus comes near with the promise of peace. He says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I'm your Savior. Church, I know I've found myself here before, but even when I think that I've let Jesus down so much that I believe I'm now beyond his ability to love me, to care for me, Jesus reminds me that he dwells within me. He's in my midst and he gives me peace. When Jesus appears in the middle of this huddled group of fearful men behind a locked door, he's showing them that he can go to places where no one else can go. 
which means for you and I, today in our lives, Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go where no counselor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no spouse can go. Jesus can reach you anytime, anywhere. There is no place where you are and no depth of sin that you are in that Jesus can't reach you. Jesus' resurrection from the dead allows him to do so. Jesus has total access to all the locked places in our lives, even the places that you've never shared with anyone, even the places where you have fear that you can't even utter them in front of your spouse or your friends. Church, I want you to hear this and I want you to trust this. The places in your heart where you don't believe God's mercy and grace can flood in, the places that you've shut the door, you've locked, you've thrown away the key, the truth is Jesus doesn't need you to open the door for him. He can just go there. And with the disciples finding themselves behind closed and locked doors, Jesus showed up right in the middle of that meeting. He did not come to the edge and call out through the wall to deal with him from a distance. No, Jesus wanted them to see him and know him and believe in him and love him. And that's what Jesus wants for you today. That's what I want for you today. My desire, whether you call Providence North your church home or not, my desire is that you would experience the living Jesus today to know him. I want you to be able to draw near to him and allow him into your life where no one else can go. To have him help you in your fear the way no one else can help you. And to truly have him come close to you. Not calling you from a distance, but coming to you right where you are in your midst. That's my heart. That's my desire. That's what I pray happens for you today while you're watching this video. And so for just a second, here's what I want you to do. I want each of us right now to think about those places in your life where you have locked up the fear. You've closed the door, you've locked it, you've thrown away the key. And I want you to hear this. That place where you feel like you can't do anything because you're gripped with fear about what might happen or you're in doubt because you feel like you're lacking in some sort of way, I want you to hear and know that Jesus has come to be in the middle of that place that's tucked deep away from anyone else's knowledge, and he says this to you, peace be with you. Isn't that incredibly comforting? The peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that he promises his disciples, and the peace that he promises us, gives us the ability to move past the fears and doubts that we are all living in. Why? Because he came to be in the middle of it all. He dealt with all those fears. He dealt with all those doubts on the cross. Christ came to bring you peace. But Christ doesn't stop there. He continues on. Let's look at what Jesus says next to his disciples, a group of fearful, doubting men huddled up behind a locked door. Verse 21, Jesus says this, Peace be with you. He repeats himself. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, we need to remember who Jesus is speaking to. This motley crew of individuals isn't necessarily the cream of the crop in many regards. You have Matthew, who's a shady tax collector. Then you have Simon the Zealot, who's an angry man with a sword and probably would have loved to see the government overthrown. Then we have Peter who, if I recall last on the scene, was so deathly afraid of a teenage girl that he denied any ties to Jesus Christ. So again, this is not the cream of the crop. And in today's world, most experts would say, these aren't the men that you would use to go begin some massive movement. But what does the text say? 
Jesus said to these men, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Can you imagine this scene? The disciples looking around saying, oh man, Jesus, you've, you've got the wrong crew. But no, Jesus was saying, I'm sending you. Not just one or two of you, but I'm sending all of you. He's given them a calling. He's given them a purpose. He's given them a mission. And the truth for us in this passage, what we need to see today, is that if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, by placing your faith in him, then because you've been saved, you've also been sent. To be saved is to be sent. Again, this may seem lofty. It may seem scary this, to hear something like this. For some of us, this may strike fear in our hearts. But the greatest part about this and what we must realize is that we've been sent by a God that's modeled this for us. Hasn't he? Jesus says it right here. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We can trust and know that we serve a loving and compassionate God who came and got us first. Jesus laid down his rights, his status, and his agenda to come and get you. Now, some of you might say, well, yeah, but I'm the one who asked God into my life first. I asked him to be my savior. But my question to you is what brought you to that place to begin with? What prompted you to seek God? God did. God came and rescued you because that's what he does. We didn't go after him. And if you're anything like me, you were running in the complete opposite direction of Jesus. And the cross is the defining action that shows us that God came and rescued us in spite of ourselves. And he's done so throughout the entire Bible. Think about it. You have Abraham, who was just some sort of knucklehead who most likely was worshiping the moon prior to being rescued by God. And God grabbed him, turned him into the nation of Israel. And what's the purpose of Israel? To be set apart as a holy nation, to glorify God and to make his name known. So he saves them and he sends them and they don't listen and obey. And so what does God do? He doesn't throw up his hands and call it quits. No, God sends prophets to warn them, to rebuke them, to point them again to the fact that they are sent nation. Then the prophets, they're shunned, they're killed. And so what does God do? He sends his son and his son is shunned and killed. So he sends his Holy Spirit. And now today the Holy Spirit empowers us to be sent out and make his name known, to glorify the Father. Church, we have an incredibly patient and graceful God who saves us by his grace alone and he sends us to make his name known to others. And so if you're watching this video today and you've been saved by the living Christ, know this. You serve a loving and compassionate God who lived on mission and modeled it for you. And finally, he's sending you. And so up to this point, not only have we been given peace, but we've also been given a calling or a mission. And the beauty is he doesn't just give us this calling and move on. No, Jesus gives us far more than we could ever imagine. Again, verse 21 says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. When we look later on in the book of Acts, we see Jesus actually pour out the Holy Spirit when he ascends into heaven, which is actually seven weeks after the resurrection. And what the first chapter in the book of Acts says is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
the work and power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives is that he makes us able to do what we're simply not able to do on our own. For instance, here's some things that I wouldn't be able to do if it weren't for the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. Love others unconditionally. Put down my selfish concerns. Love God faithfully, just to name a few. The only way I have the power to do any of that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here in John 20, 22, Jesus performs this kind of acted out parable. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say receive him at this very moment. He said, in effect, realize that my breath, my life, my word will be in the Holy Spirit. Church, the risen, living Jesus has come to us and he has sent us the Holy Spirit, his spirit. He's breathed on us. Think about that. This, in effect, gives us his power. And our only hope for accomplishing the mission that he has for us is through his power. And finally, with this promise, Jesus is saying that he will be with us forever. In fact, Jesus says at the end of the book of Matthew, Behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Jesus is looking at you and I. He's looking at his church and he says this, Guys, listen up. There will be times that are challenging. There will be times that are fearful. So I want you to take my peace. It's yours forever. But this peace isn't just yours to keep. I want you to share as I have. I want you to glorify the, the Father the way that I have. I want people to know who I am through you. And finally, I'm going to give you a gift. It's a gift unlike any other gift in the history of mankind. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will dwell in you so that you can do this amazing thing that I've asked you to do, and you will know that I'm with you forever. And with the finished work on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been gifted peace. We've been given a calling, and finally, we've been given the Holy Spirit so that we can glorify the Father and make his name known to the world. Our central purpose in life is this to go and share the love, peace, and hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, it's not going to be easy. Jesus is asking us to do things that will naturally strike fear in our hearts. I know this to be true for myself, but fear not, for Jesus is our peace, and he's given us the power to do things that we couldn't do on our own. And this is why I love this church so much. This is why I love the body of Providence North. There are so many families in our church that are living this text out today. Families that have heard the gospel. They've placed their faith in Christ. And because they've been saved, they also know that they've been sent. It looks different for all of us. But for today, I want you to hear from a couple of the families that are moving forward in their calling. They're moving forward with the hope of Jesus and they're sharing his peace with those through the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch these couple videos. Hi, my name is Brandon Baker and this is my wife, Tiffany. And one of the things we've done in the past with our discipleship groups is uh, try to figure out what our personal missions are. And one of the ways we do that is using a simple formula and that formula is burden plus passion plus vision equals your mission. And just to break that down, your burden is what breaks your heart. Your passion is what gives you life. What do you engage in that gives you a sense of God's joy? 
And then your vision is what do you want to see happen? What do you want to see change because of this? And so when you put together your burden plus your passion plus your vision, you're closing in on what God's mission is for your life. And because we've been saved, we've also been sent on mission. And here's how that looks for me right now. So my burden is people that are blind to the beauty of Christ or people who don't understand the Bible or know how to read or study the Bible. My passion is having spiritual conversations with people and learning and sharing what I've learned with others. Uh, my vision is to see a culture of Christianity that truly understands the Bible, how it applies to them today, and how there's a common thread pointing to Jesus that runs throughout the Bible. And so my mission during this time has been to start a men's Bible study group in our community with neighbors from all walks of life. When this pandemic first started, uh, Tiffany and I's prayer was uh, to, that God would use this time for his good, that, com that uh, communities would come together, um, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ would spread further and faster than this virus. And we prayed that for the first few days. While running one day, I uh, just really prayed and was listening to God, and I felt God put it on my heart that I needed to start a uh, men's Bible study group in our community. Um, and so when I got home from that run, I immediately reached out to a few neighbors uh, and just said, hey, is this something y'all would be interested in? And uh, I was a little overwhelmed by the response. Uh, most of the guys that I talked to said, yeah, definitely. And so uh, our first week, we had eight guys show up, uh, eight neighbors. Um, and we social distanced. Everyone brought their own chair. We sat six feet apart. We were outside, just so everyone's aware. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been meeting weekly ever since. Uh, it's a time for us to put our fears and anxiety, leave those at the door. Uh, we focus on God and his word. And uh, so really just excited to see how God uses this group, how he grows this group. Um, and hopefully grows its numbers uh, in the future when some of these uh, restrictions are relaxed. Um, one other way that Brandon and I have really enjoyed um, growing closer to our neighbors during this time is that we spend most of our evenings taking our lawn chairs and going and sitting at the end of our driveway. Um, we have found that with no sports or activities, or work or social commitments that people are out in the evenings. People are taking walks with their families and people want to connect with other people. And so um, we have met so many new neighbors just sitting out there. And um, now we're seeing them two, three times a week walking by and we're able to check in on one another. Um, and then the neighbors that we already knew, it's just been um, such a joy growing closer with them and deepening our relationships with them during this time. Yeah. And so our, our, our hope and our, our prayer and uh, what we most look forward to seeing is just how God uses this time, this pandemic, um, for his good, um, for our good. Uh, Romans 8.28 says that God uses all things for his good for those that love him. And so... Uh, that's kind of our prayer and what we most look forward to seeing after uh, all this stuff is over with. Hello, church. My name is Jeff Knuckles. God has given me a passion for a faith that is deep and abiding. I want to see my own life, the lives of my family, 
the lives in the church transformed in a deep way. I want to see lives built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, lives that can weather the storms and the trials that are thrown our way. And because I've been saved through the work of Jesus Christ, I've also been sent. And this is what being sent looks like for me right now. The daily front line God has called me to is my family. God has blessed my wife, Kristen, and I with three wonderful kids, two of which are here with me now. I know I have a responsibility to lead, to disciple, to provide for them a peek into a life that follows Jesus. And that reality presses me into a daily reliance on the Holy Spirit, working to refine me. In my experience so far, my discipling effort is often about admitting my weakness and being transparent with my kids. I think that is how I most often reach them with a kernel of truth. At home, I've tried and often failed with plans for Bible study programs, scripture memorization drills, catechisms, or deep prayer time. All of these things are great, and if anyone has any tips, please share them. But I know that God often uses me when I step out in humility. I admit my faults, admit when I'm wrong, when I lose my cool and yell at my son, or apologize to my daughters when I was not exactly gracious in setting the rules. It is in these moments of life that I can explain to them why I was wrong, share what Jesus has me striving for, and show how he is working in me every day. As the kids get older, as their teenage and preteen brains start to ask the tough questions, it, gets, it sets the stage for deeper and deeper discussions. We get to walk together in the way that Jesus and his word informs our entire worldview. I think my kids have always been witness to the fact that our family is a bit different from what they see in the world. I think early on, we simply model, model all of this by our actions. We work to watch our tongues and our tempers. We prioritize time with them and with our spouses. We work to be present in the life of the church. We try to show a pattern of service. The next step, moving beyond that spiritual milk to the meat, is that we get to share the why behind the fact that our family is different. We get to point them to scripture. We get to go deeper into our own testimony and experiences. And we get to be right there with them as they walk through the things that God has placed in their lives. I believe all of these steps are even more effective as we serve alongside our church community. We are sent in our homes, but we're also sent in the church. We are there to encourage each other, to share with each other, to serve with each other. Through the church, our kids see Jesus. Our neighbors see Jesus. Our community sees Jesus. I just want to finish by sharing two verses that God has used in moments of my life. Use them in a moment. He used them in a moment where I was trying to figure out my direction in life and in a moment where I really needed answers in life. And I've asked my kids to read these verses. The first verse is found in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Thanks, Claire. And the second verse is found in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Thanks, Nathan. We love you, church. Be well. Church, I love you. I'm proud to be one of your pastors. It's an honor to be able to serve and walk alongside you. And I pray that we can all one day say that even though there was fear, we felt peace and comfort in his help as we pressed on with the mission of sharing the love, hope, and peace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for today. I thank you for this text, the, the comfort that you bring to so many of us. That even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of uh, the things that we want to hide from others, the things that we wouldn't dare utter to those that are in our lives, God, you're right in the middle of that. You didn't come to condemn, you didn't come to shame us, but you came to give us peace. And not just peace with you, but peace with others. You sent us on mission. You've, you've sent us to share that same love and hope and peace with others. And so God, I pray that we would find those opportunities in our lives. We would seek those out and we would obey. And so God, would you give us hearts of obedience and a heart of peace? We love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship.